You get up in the morning, you take your kids to school, everything is fine. You go to pick your kids up from school, and your daughter is missing. You don't know where she went. You ask the school. They don't know where she is. Last you know, she was in class, and now she's nowhere, and no one has any idea. Hours go by. She finally calls you on the phone and says, they just let me call you, Dad, to let you know where I am. Who? Who just let you call me? Where are you? The response, I think, could change your life. When you hear how the daughter responded to dad, think about how you would respond. We begin there right now. Entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. From the from the Atlanta area, Sean Harris, the dad of a seven-year-old girl who he dropped off at school, went to pick her up, and she was gone. Without skipping to the end of the story, let me pick it up to Sean. You thought this was a normal day, and and everything was going to be fine, right? Yes, I did. And then you go and pick her up, and what happens? I went to her after school care to pick her up, as always. So it was about 3.20 in the afternoon. When I got there, they had told me that her bus had just arrived, so they called her on the PA. And I went to the back where I would normally pick her up, in either a classroom or the cafeteria area, if not on the playground. And I could not find her, so I came back to the front, and they acknowledged that they looked at the roll call and realized that, in fact, she was not on that bus. So they then called her elementary school, at which time uh, they kind of gave the runaround. They wouldn't answer any specific questions and continued putting them on hold, at which time they then just hung up on the daycare. So I immediately got in my vehicle and raced over to her school uh, while calling 911 en route uh, to have a police officer there uh, to look out for and to also uh, respond to me when I got there. Okay, hang on just a second. As you're going there, all you know at this point is the school may know something, but they're not telling, you know, the daycare, uh, and you don't know what's happening. What is going through your mind on what you think at this point is happening? Uh, Sheer panic. Um, so once I got to the school, they contact with the vice principal and demanded to know where my child was. They then told me that she was okay and she was in the route. So as a concerned parent, I asked where is she and where had she been? I was told that she was put on the bus, taken to a different after school care. And I asked again, well, which aftercare facility uh, was this? They couldn't tell me. And then after another five minutes or so of frustration, on my part, they then decided we needed to tell him the truth. Okay, stop, stop, stop. At this point, 
when you are talking to the school, are you thinking somebody screwed up and put her on another bus that somehow or another you guys haven't been watching where my daughter was? Did you Were you getting feelings that something else is going on? No, I, I just had just straight confusion as far as not understanding where she was or how she could have gotten on the wrong bus. Uh, she's very familiar with her bus that she takes. Uh, she's been going to that facility since she's been two years old, the uh, aftercare facility, so she's very familiar with the proper bus that she needed to catch. So, so how um, much time has gone by now between the time that you first find out your daughter is not at school, not where she's supposed to be, to, I assume the police have arrived now and are there with you? Yes. And uh, how much time has arrived, uh, has transpired until you, until you are given the truth? I would say about 20 minutes. And your daughter, um, when does she call you? She didn't call at that time when I was speaking to the vice principal. They told me that the Rockdale County DFAX office had picked her up inadvertently by mistake. Um, there's another child at the school with the same name. The first names are spelled differently, however, and there's a two-year age difference with different birthdays. So when I uh, instructed the administration at the elementary school to contact that defects worker who, in fact, had her, I needed to speak to my daughter. So they contacted the driver uh, that came and picked her up and put my daughter on the phone. When she got on the phone, I asked if she was okay, and uh, she was visibly, well, audibly, uh, shaking. She was crying. Uh, I could tell she was panicking. I just tried to comfort her and told her that she would be with me momentarily. And they, I then asked the driver what would their estimated arrival time be, and she stated 20 to 30 minutes, which she had actually took her to a different county. Um, they subsequently came to the school. It was probably about 4.20 at this time. I immediately laid eyes on my daughter, ensured that she was okay, and uh, quickly asked the driver what was their protocol for identifying students before they pick them up. And I asked her, did they have a photo or any other uh, identifying measures in which to identify the proper child which they were going to pick up? And she just stated that uh, the paper said the name and the birth date. And at no time had anyone ever cross-referenced to see that the spellings were different, as well as a two-year age difference uh, and different birthdays. Okay. Uh, we then w- Sean, hang on just a second. I don't know about you, but I got a I got a buttload of problems here, and it's not just that they didn't check the birthday and they picked up the wrong child. I am assuming, Sean, that you have taught your child, you know, don't get into the car with strangers. What kind of trauma has your daughter gone through? How did they approach her in the first place? Who told her? How did she know she wasn't being kidnapped by a bad guy? Well, later that evening when I spoke to her, she was not comfortable with being with the lady from the beginning. Um, and yes, we definitely taught her don't go with strangers. And that was one of my number one concerns. Uh, but again, when you send your child to school, you uh, entrust in the school and your children also entrust in the school being that you trust the school to keep custody of them. So of course, uh, she went reluctantly, of course, but of course it was a part of the school system that she felt 
that was taking her. Um, she went along with them. It was an adult. And when I spoke to her later that evening, I also asked her what happened when she got to the office, and she stated that she was just sitting in a room. I asked, did, uh, were the people nice to her? Was anyone mean to her? She said no. Uh, they offered her a bottle of water and a small pack of crackers, and she said that she cried while she was there. And they were questioning her, asking uh, on the way to the location, the driver was asking, uh, has she ever been to DFACS before? Does she know what DFACS is? And, of course, my child has no idea what DFACS is. So when she got there, she again asked her, do you know where you are? And my daughter said no. They went ahead and took her inside and started asking her questions about her father and what type of vehicle he uh, drives and something about her grandmother. And uh, they then just waited for a little while, and then that's apparently when they realized they had the wrong child. Oh, my gosh and started heading back to the school. Okay, so if you don't know what DFACS is, this is a Georgian uh, Division of Family and Children's Services. These are the protectors of your children. Um, so what, um, uh, I hope you have a good woman in your life because that, uh, that would have been the one thing that stopped me from going on a rampage, quite honestly, um, Sean. Um, how, uh, how, how, how did you react, uh, to this and, and what happened in the subsequent days? Of course I was devastated. Uh, at the time the, the principal then showed up and we we're all t also talking with the school police and, um, I was in sheer panic, sheer panic. And so once we uh, sat down and had a conference, we talked about, uh, the events that had occurred, and how could this probably possibly have happened? Um, there, at that point, uh, the school system they responded immediately. They took full responsibility, and I do applaud them for that. Uh, <laughs> in the subsequent morning, I spoke with the uh, superintendent. Uh, we've had uh, conversations since then, numerous times, uh, as well as the principal. The next morning, well, that night at home, uh, she cried a lot. That night, uh, she was scared. She stated that I never want to go back to that school. And I had to take time to comfort her and just kind of encourage her that everything would be okay the next morning. Uh, I personally took her to school the next morning. The school system had a uh, counselor on hand to speak to her. Oh, probably for somebody from DFACS, maybe? Did they have somebody no, from the department? No, no one, nobody there? Because no, no, I, I know the state likes to, to, you know, to counsel children and make sure that they're safe. I thought maybe the state would have somebody there to, to help your child no, out. No, the state never offered. Uh, this was the school system that offered. Uh, subsequently, the next day when I contacted DFACS, I was speaking with the director. Her name was Miss Parrott, and she kind of had the demeanor and the attitude of, well, you got your kid back. We oh, my gosh. Yeah, that we need, so let's just move on. And she promised that I would hear back from her at 1 o'clock that afternoon, which to this point I still have not heard oh my gosh. anything back from DFACS. Well, the state just doesn't have to respond to you little people, do they? Um, do you have a good attorney? Yes. You do? Like a really good attorney? Yes. Good. And what does your, your really good attorney say? Uh, we're in communication, so we're going to just kind of keep it at that point. Yeah. Um, you do have a good attorney. <laughs> that's exactly yeah, what you're supposed, exactly to say. What supposed to say. <laughs> uh, okay, so... How do you feel about the sending your children to 
you know, school where they allow this just to happen. And um, how do you feel about sending him to school? And how do you how do you explain to your child that they're safe from the government just picking them up, taking them someplace? Well, of course, I'm still concerned. Uh, still have a little apprehension. Uh, I've never had any problems with the school. This is her third year at the school. Uh, have never had any problems. The staff has always been great and professional. Sure. Uh, it's more so the defect aspect of uh, not cross-referencing and, and verifying. Um, it's it's rough every day. Just convincing her that it's okay to go to school, and at the same time, I have to ensure that nothing happens because her trust is solely in me. As far as oh instructing her that it's okay to return back to school, so uh, kind of watch her while she sleep. I don't know if she's having nightmares or not. Uh, I guess that'll kind of tell uh, in in the near future here. So my my number one concern, of course, is for her well-being, her emotional, mental stability, uh, how how this can affect her in the future, and most importantly, it never happens again to her or any other student. And uh, just different measures and protocols have to be in place. Well, you know, uh, particularly in identifying children, because the, the only identifying factor that they had was a name and a birthday. But they should have height, weight, uh, and other but, but, identifying know, measures. You know, Sean, the, the other part of this is, I mean, I because I dwelled on this, you know, in the 24 hours since I've known about this story, I've dwelt on, uh, yeah, how can they possibly screw this up? How, what? How incompetent do you have to be and scar a seven-year-old child? Um, and, oh, well, that's outrageous. However, let's remember that they're doing this to kids, and some of those kids are abused. Some of them are not abused. And the, the idea that they can just come in and take your children and not notify anybody is an, it just a total and complete outrage. Just an outrage, especially when they're sloppy. Uh, Sean, I, um, uh, I appreciate you um, coming on the program and, and talking about this. And I, I hope that you fight with all your might so this does not happen to other children, that there are not... You know, that, you know, it, we got to do what we no. We don't have to do what we have to do. We have to do the right thing to protect children. Uh, but the state, the arrogance of the state to just do this and then not even to call and apologize to you. It's just eye bleeding uh, outrageous. Yes. Very disturbing. Um, we will pray for your uh, daughter. We'll pray for you. And thank you so much for sharing your story. Anything we can thank do to help. Is there anything we can do to help? Uh, uh, just stay on top of the story with me, and I uh, just want to get this out so that people understand what's happening with this particular government agency. And uh, more importantly, the young lady who was supposed to be picked up uh, was picked up for a reason, obviously, and it could have been that she, in fact, could have been in an abusive relationship, and by them dropping the ball, she could have been in harm's way as well yeah. as my daughter was in harm's way being with a stranger. Unbelievable. So the system definitely has to be corrected immediately. <sighs> Thank you very much, Sean. We will follow the story. You stay in touch with us. Let us know uh, the turns and uh, twists. And if there's anything we can do to help, I know this audience would love to help you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Oh can gosh. you imagine uh, how the anger, and the, not to mention the fear, but uh, 
I don't know what the, the series of events there are, but it's fear and anger are prominent. Ever, ever lost your child for even a few minutes? Ever not known where your child was for a few minutes? Thankfully not yet. Pat? Um, no. No. Jeffy? Nope, they come back. I know I've told this. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I know I've told this story before, but I lost at a July 4th thing. I lost oh. Mary for about 20 minutes. It was the most horrific 20 minutes of my life. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. uh, you just, I mean, you just, you, you become, you become a, a bear, a, a caged mm-hmm. animal. And uh, is the things that are going through your mind. I can't imagine. I can't believe the guy actually was lucid enough to get into a car and drive. Your daughter is right. missing. You think something is wrong. Oh my gosh! You are mm. you're not you're no longer yourself. You are in full fledged dad or mom Panic. protective mode, um, and uh, to to have the state and all of us pretty much yawn to have the state be able to go in when you've taught your children the whole time don't go in with strangers, and to have them just go. Hey, little girl, is this your name? Oh, you need to come with me and get into a car. Do you imagine how terrifying that is for a kid? Mm. Even a kid who's been abused and maybe even more so. And not notify the parent. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I mean, even if it had been the right kid, you notify the parent of what's happened, right? Oh, my gosh. That's just uh, it's unconscionable. Mm. This doesn't look like it was the first time that this has happened in Georgia, just judging by the phone calls. Um, I can't imagine being a parent and the state comes in and takes my child oh my out gosh. of the county. Uh, I, think I, I think that's kidnapping. Um, no one, no one would you allow that to happen. No one. You would charge them with kidnapping if anyone ever did that to your child but the state did it and so they don't really even have to apologize nope Mm. are we mice or are we americans do we actually believe in something anymore how is this how is this not the most outrageous thing coming out of georgia and it's not the first time just judging by the phone calls which we take next We're glad you're here. There's a uh, a story of uh, a story of this this horrible situation in Georgia, just a suburb of it, of Atlanta, where a dad goes to pick up his seven year old daughter from school. She's not in the after school program. She, in fact, they check in and go, "Wow, no, she wasn't even on the bus coming here." They call the school. School gives them the runaround. Dad immediately knows, okay, something really bad is happening. Um, He calls 911, gets into the car, can't even imagine being him driving to the school. He gets to the school. They're still giving him the runaround. Uh, The police show up, takes him 20 minutes before the school finally says, okay, she was taken by the state. What do you mean she was taken by the state? She was taken by... um, I don't remember what they called it there, but um, it's basically the Department of Children and Family Services. 
uh, defects, I think they call it. Um, and uh, she's returned later in the afternoon. The daughter is freaked, as you can imagine. This isn't the first time this has happened. And it's not going to be the last time. And Defax in Georgia hasn't even called the dad back. The attitude when he called was, look, you got your daughter back. Everything is fine. I have to tell you, I am not a, uh, a violent man by any stretch of the imagination. You've kidnapped my child and took them into another county. I, I don't care who the hell you are. As a protective animal, I would have had a hard time with restraint. I would have had a really hard time. Several stories like that lately. I, I, I have no idea how Charlie Gard's parents made it through that. I don't either. I have no freaking I idea. I don't either. And, you know, I don't know what it ends in. I mean, because you, you, it just might be complete self-destruction. You're at that point of like, I would completely break down every 10 seconds. And you, you, all you'd want to do is beat the crap out of everybody. I, in this sort of situation, you would. It's, you shouldn't, it's obviously. It's your child. But, yeah, but it's your instinct. You, you have to remember, the, the, the reason why the Constitution and the Bill of Rights is so valid is because the Second Amendment is not really talking about guns. I mean, it is, but it's, it's more than that. It is the right to defend yourself and your family. That is a natural right. That is that th- that right is in every animal. Go up and pet the pretty little kitties. They're lions, and mom will rip you to shreds, <laughs> and dad will feast on you. It's a natural right to protect your children, and the state expects you just to say, "Oh, okay. Well, you you did what I would, and so would everyone in the country." deem kidnapping and i'm supposed to take it no way and he you know obviously handled it a hell of a lot better than uh, we're talking about handling gosh but i mean it's the other thing is i don't know that i could trust bringing my kid back to that school they didn't even alert me They wouldn't even tell me the truth once I got there. But they will tell you that's because if he was, if that child was in danger because dad was, you know, an abuser, you can't. Yeah. Because then what happens? Then she goes home and dad says, what did you tell them? And beats her. Well, there's a couple of ways you can deal with this. And one of them is don't take the children off school premises. Yeah. I've dropped my child off to that school. You don't have a right to leave that school. You will screw my child up. They're called into the principal's office. That happens. They're called into this office. They come into the principal's office, and in the principal's office, there's another door that leads to the secret room where the secret police are from the state, and they question them there. That's even better than taking them not only off school property, but then taking them across county lines. It's an incomprehensible oh that could happen. Oh my gosh, like it's crazy. I wonder, what do we have any idea what happened to the actual kid that was supposed to be taken? No, and we shouldn't. No. I mean, this just happened. Mm-hmm. But, you know, God forbid, now this story is out. Now, if that dad is an abuser, this child yeah. who is in possibly trouble. in an abusive is in trouble. Oh. Real danger. I mean, that's, that's... real danger. Terrifying. And and you know what? 
take it. Take it. Because it's the state. They're doing this for your good. They're doing this for your protection. If they can just help one child, it's all worth it. So you'll just take it. I hope this family has the biggest badass mad dog attorney that they can possibly find. Brian in Georgia. You're an officer, a police officer, or one with uh, DFACS? Uh, no, I'm a, I'm a state certified officer. I'm not going to say with which department. Okay. I'm not all right. Trouble. Okay. Um, but, but yes, I hope they do have a great lawyer. I, I had to call you when I heard about this because the, the, the number of times we run into defects and the horror stories I could fill your head with, you wouldn't sleep at night. You wouldn't Glenn. Uh, I've had to call them out at three in the morning for a child wandering the streets. We can't find mom because she went to go get high. And mom shows back up an hour later, and defects like, well, mom's there, so we're not going to come out. We'll deal with it Monday. But this is Friday night. What happens to this child in the meantime? Mom's here. She knows what's going on. And then I've had to stop defects workers who did the, almost the same thing here, where they call us because of a disorderly parent. Well, you have the wrong child. And in this case, I, I would have arrested this defects worker for kidnapping. It fits every really in the book for it. Really? Thank you. Thank you. I would have, because especially if the father was upset, because I'm like, hey, look, what do you want me to do? This, I, I'm, at, I'm your service here. Defects is clearly screwed up. 90% of the workers we run into don't give a flying hoot about doing anything, really. They want to do their paycheck. They, they'll do their follow-up reports. And once in a while, they'll do something great. And I'm sure there's some defects workers out there who are great, but I haven't run into them. Wow, Brian is completely screwed up. You know, I tell you, you've just restored my hope in humanity uh, by saying that you would have arrested this person for kidnapping because that's exactly what it is. Exactly what it is. Except the state did it. Yeah, that doesn't matter. (sighs) So what should people do? Government's held to the same laws we are. Yeah, they don't think so. Brian, what do you, so what should the average person do? Uh, other than taking safeguards and making sure you keep track of your kids uh, and, and calling and calling us and hoping a, a, an officer that will do something shows up. And then, of course, this mad dog attorney. I hope they have Johnny Cochran or somebody. Thank you so much, Brian. I, pr- I appreciate it. He would do a terrible job today. He's not he would he, he, would, he would not be able to handle that case. Yeah. No. Is it too soon? Is it too soon? <clears throat> no. No, I don't it's think not so. too soon. Okay. That's been almost 20 years, hasn't it? Jacob, <laughs> you're on the Glenbeck program. Hi, Jacob. Uh, yes, sir. Um, I wanted my story to actually be heard. Back when I turned 17, I was in a group home. I was taken from my mom at a young age because she had throat cancer, and she was also a very avid drug user. Wait, wait, wait. She had throat cancer. I'm sorry, your phone connection is bad. And she was a drug user. Yes, sir. And so you were, take, you were taken from her at a young age. Yeah. Okay. And I was put in my great aunt's care. She was a very bad abuser. She actually locked me in the shed quite a bit. And I'm highly allergic to wasps. And she knew there was wasps in there. And there was numerous days where I came crawling out from underneath it, just barely holding on. So I go to this group home, and it was like a sanctuary for me. Like, it was the best place that I've ever lived my whole life. And they were like a family. And I stayed there for years before I ever got in DHS care because I refused. Prior to this, I had been in DHS care, and they didn't care about me or my brothers or anyone. They separated us. 
And so, long story short, DHS gets back in my life when I turn 17, and they pull me out of this group home. Because I'm doing so good, they put me in an independent living program so I could be prepared to be an adult at a young age. I mean, I was 17, doing good. They said I had inadequate supervision, and I was being overly supervised. We go to court. They had lied underneath oath, I believe, a total of five times. And they also had to throw out one of those accusations. And they had to say that I was just being overly supervised by the CEO of the ranch. He was the guy who's constantly watching me. I mean, the highest up he can get, he trusted me, and he knew that we were doing right for me. They take me out of their, his care. They put me in jail. And then they, it's hard to find me a foster home because no one wanted me. I was 17. Everybody said they didn't want me. My life went downhill fast. I went to jail three or four times, numerous foster homes in a year. I switched high schools two times just trying to graduate. Wasn't in any yearbook. I mean, it was hard for me to graduate, but I did. I overcame it. The last group home I was in when I turned 18, I tried to tell them ahead of time that this girl was going to run away. My DCF worker did not believe me. She took me to jail. That way, Later that night, she ran away. Uh, a couple of weeks later, they dropped me off at a gas station in January of 2013 with snow and ice on the ground, and I didn't have nowhere to go. I lived in a laundromat for a week. <sighs> Jacob, man. Um, look, I've listened to you for a long time. I'm a meter reader, and I've been listening to you since I turned 19. I'm on my feet now trying to get above water. You know, I went to college. I've done good. I was a grade-A student in high school until that happened. I was a grade-A student in college. I got a degree. I went to college for three years. I'm meter reading now, currently, just barely getting by. I got a daughter of my own. I'm 22. My fiance is 21. Uh, I needed government assistance when they dropped me off at the gas station. They refused because we got three of their board of directors fired, me and the CEO of the Arkansas Sheriff's Youth Branch. And it's been like that every day of my life since then. It's you, been like a living hell. What are you doing now, Jacob? What do you do for a living? What are you doing now? <laughs> Funny thing is, I read electric meters for all the meter, and I make about fourteen eighty-three an hour. You know, I was kind of scared to say my name just in case they're listening because they don't like me that much. And I don't want them to do anything to my daughter because I'm not going to let them take her like they took me. But I honestly, <laughs> you might find this funny, but with what's going on in the world, you know, I want to be a politician. I want to make a difference. I want to do something to help people who've been in my position because I've seen every angle of this world and what it has to offer. I've been in a rich home. I've been in a poor home. I've been in an abusive home. I've been in a normal home. I've been in a group home. I've been in the state's care. I've been in jail because I had nowhere to go. I know every single crack and crevice of this world that there possibly is. And I can tell you right now, the things that we're focusing on is not what everybody is caring about. We're just all trying to get by. I mean, North Korea, yeah, that's crazy. That scares the crap out of me. But, you know, I just I want to have enough to get my own house and to be my own family. And it's like impossible. <laughs> I don't even have insurance. And they're going to take, you know, my tax money. I haven't been to a doctor in three years. Three years, man. Jacob, 
boy, I would like to meet you someday. Um, if you'll hold on, I want my producers just to uh, get a phone number so we can keep track of you and, and know what's uh, happening. But um, you should be really proud of yourself. Um, I, I try to be. I really do try to be. But, man, let me tell you, it is hard. It is so hard. Don't, don't give up. And, um, and uh, you're, you are a survivor. And uh, you're not going to just survive. You are going to thrive um, because you have not let this beat you down. There's only two ways to go. When the world just keeps slugging away at you, you just keep getting back up. And I'm telling you, in the end, it's all worth it because you have created a, a life of meaning and uh, and your children will never forget that, uh, and their lives will be changed. Hang on just a second, uh, Jacob, so we can get some information from you. I will tell you, I have, um, I have been praying for empathy, more empathy lately, and um, if you follow this show, boy, I believe in the last few weeks, uh, my prayers are being answered. Whew, what a powerful, powerful hour. Wow. Uh, <laughs> there's some good news to uh, leave you with on the uh, weekend. Uh, I'm going uh, to tweet it out and Facebook post it in a few minutes. But it's some of the fallacies about North Korea. For instance, they just, you know, shelled an island and it was only hit 47% of the time. And the island, by the way, was not shooting back 47% <laughs> of the time. And 20% uh, of those were duds. Um, they, are, they are typical communist uh, nation uh, in collapse. Um, perhaps, perhaps this story could end the way the Soviet Union ended with sanctions and tough talk from the president. And we'll pray that it continues to go that way. Have a safe weekend. We will see you back here Monday morning. God bless. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.